Support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in optometry. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. Welcome to the second part of a two-part special series of The Mod Pod, contact lens business and patient safety in the COVID-19 era, redefining normal. Dr. Rachel Rubel speaks with colleagues Drs. Brianna Rue, William Toe, and Justin Weigel about their optometric practices and contact lens business, all in the context of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. In the second part to the series, we cover topics of telemedicine, maintaining staff morale, patients worried about lens scarcity, and preparing for future pandemics. But before we do, we would like to take a moment to mention this program is not possible without the help by Bausch & Lomb. The opinions and views expressed during this program are those of the individual participants and are not necessarily those of Bausch & Lomb or its affiliates. We even had one staff person out of all, I have 12 staff total, one did not come back and she was a young, healthy individual. She was just very concerned about safety and working with patients. She's like, I don't think, you know, some patients are taking this seriously. So she resigned, and even though we talked to her, we're going, you know, this is healthcare. I can't change that. And she was a technician, so I couldn't really change her to a different position at the time. Um, so she resigned, which was a bummer. We had to replace her, um, even though we went through our whole protocol that we're following very, very closely. Have you guys experienced that with staff at all? How are they all doing? No, I'm surprised. Go ahead, Jeffrey. Oh, no, I was going to say, um, I was kind of, we have uh, kind of a younger staff, but they were very diligent in the beginning. I didn't expect as much fear out of them, but they'll tell me, no, I'm not going to let this patient in unless, you know, they wear their mask right. And so, I'm, okay, whatever your comfort level is, that's fine. But yeah, um, we haven't had a whole lot of um, kickback. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Brianna. Yeah, same that like my staff has all been really rock stars. Um, so we're all, I mean, it's in, you know, seeing half the patient load feels like we've seen quadruple the patient load. So everybody at the end of the day with all the protocols is just exhausted. So it's figuring out how to keep them motivated every day to keep coming back and giving their all. So, cause there just is no timeline for when this is all going to be over. I think that's what we're all kind of struggling with is, you know, for a hurricane, right, we know we're going to be closed for two weeks, and it is what it is. So at least we have power, and at least we have internet. Um, the grass is, you know, a little greener there. But that's, I think, where we're all kind of seeing is how do we stay motivated through all of this with the protocols and the consistent, the constant changes that are happening. So what are you guys doing for your staff to, to keep them going? Buy them Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> that's huge here in the yeah. south and i buy my staff chick-fil-a and they love it <laughs> yeah that's a bit of starbucks for us here they love you know in the morning just that little pick me up there be like and then the best part is if you go get it you know because i think you, you know uh, it's it's some it's different if the if the boss goes out and picks it up for them versus if uh, you send one of the staff i think it means more that you're kind of like you know, it's not above you or anything like that or, or beneath you, sorry. Um, so yeah, but that's a great thing. Buying lunch every once in a while, especially if you see them kind of you know, feel like they need that little boost. Um, it's been a big thing for us too. Uh, I'm lucky everybody came back. You know, uh, the biggest thing is we had to have a conversation, you know, certainly through the, you know, uh, April and May, uh, almost daily 
conversation with Zoom meetings and things like that for those who weren't there, just because, um, you know, we, we basically needed to come up with game plans. You know, what's, what are people comfortable with? What do we know? What, what, what needs to change? Um, particularly for our staff members that have uh, young kids who are out of school. It's like, how are we adjusting to this uh, to make it uh, flexible for you? Or the ones that lived with, um, you know, older parents or grandparents where it's like, hey, it's, even if I get sick, I'm fine, but I don't want to hurt grandma or grandpa, right? So it, it was, it was the, basically everyone who could help out, you know, uh, really, you know, I think did a great job of stepping up to, to compensate for those who had to take a step back because of their family situation. So I think it was, it was um, really important to keep that open dialogue. And because of that, everyone was willing to be much more flexible. And like I said, for those who could give a little bit more, they did. And those who had to step back because of their situation, they did. And then we got through it pretty, pretty well. And we're, you know, stronger than we ever were because we know that we have each other's backs through a pandemic, which not something you thought you'd have to talk about, you know, six months ago, but that's where we're at. I mean, I completely agree. Having a strong team is, is going to get us through this all together. Um, working together is what we need to do right now. And, you know, if this happens again or, you know, as we're starting to see actually patients call in that have been positive, um, that haven't been here, but just it's, it's great to have that team kind of jump around it and figure out what to do, what can we do to help. Um, let me pose a question at you guys. So patient calls, they're COVID positive. Uh, they're not, they're sick, they are due for an exam. They haven't had an eye exam in a year and they're a contact lens wearer. What do you guys do? We're gonna go ahead and extend that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> extend that one full year supply or? I think, well, I think it's really important to take a look at that history first. Like, okay, let me take, let me, you know, hopefully they've been here for a few years. So I have a pretty decent history and notes, you know, are they a contact lens abuser? Do they take that two week lens and wear it for two months? Right. Those are a lot of things where, you know, it's, it's very, it's going to be a very specific plan that we're going to do for this very specific patient. Obviously don't want them coming in if they are sick, um, you know, and uh, whatever we can do remotely telehealth or over the phone, let's do it. I think, you know, one of the things um, that came out like on the AOA recommendations for wearing contacts after this, which I never really had the conversation with my patients about, don't wear your contacts when you're sick. It was just something that, you know, you, you expect certain things and, you know, if you're sick and touching things, it, you just, you shouldn't do it. But, you know, kind of the, the scenario that you laid out, worst case scenario, you know, I think in that situation too, like Will said, you look at the history, but then at that point, I mean, yeah, if they don't have anything to wear, then, I mean, you give them a daily and, you know, go over, you know, this is how you have to handle these. And this, you know, is why we do this. This is why dailies are a better option too, that, you know, you got to be careful with your lenses, even when, you know, especially when you're sick, and this just kind of brings it to the forefront. And that's, I think, where telemedicine comes in too. So you can get them on with the telemedicine visit. That's where you can, you know, get, you know, charge them for the visit and then, decide together on the history what you're going to do. So I think utilizing those um, protocols are very useful. And then going from there, because we're all seeing, you know, the question that we're all asking is, have you been exposed to patients with COVID? And Rachel, you being around hospitals, like we see a ton of hospital people. So we can't deny care to these people and who knows who's been exposed. So it just, again, comes to those safety protocols. But, you know, take it case by case. Yeah. 
And that's, and you even, you mentioned Brianna, um, telemedicine. How often have you been doing telemedicine while you guys were shut down compared to now? So I was doing around two to three visits a day. Um, I have never seen so many foreign bodies in my life. So when COVID first started, I even did like a, a Facebook live. I was like, guys, like where eye protection? Um, so many branches and trees and metal and everybody became like a home repair person overnight, right? And so we've never seen, that's where it was like, oh, I got to see you. So telemedicine does have its limits right especially with the eye and how many people were like can you see my eye yeah. you know like that's where it was um the lighting is bad and you don't get enough magnification so it definitely for styes and things like that very simple very straightforward but eye care is very limited with telemedicine so especially you know is, is that some sectoral redness that is is there a foreign body right there you know so you just you have to we had to come in quite a bit. I was here every day through COVID, seeing at least two to three patients a day with something, so. Yeah, I agree with you. The amount of uh, cases, we tried telemedicine, and I would say 70% I ended up coming into the office because I get, uh, I have a red irritated eye. I'm like, great, let's sign on and let's do this. And they're like, yeah, I was grinding metal. I'm like, oh, I'll see you at the office. <laughs> so, I mean, we started making a list of everything we saw what we see in a year, we saw almost seven weeks, um, which was crazy. And a lot of contact lens infections. Um, so people thought, hey, is it COVID? We're like, no, you slept in them. It's an ulcer. You <laughs> so did see a lot of that as well. But I mean, I feel telemedicine has a place in optometry. And I was grateful there were some patients, we've had COVID positive and they're calling in with conjunctivitis. You don't know if it's corona conjunctivitis or other but I'm going great. Let's you and I screen time right now and not have them in our office, safety for our patients and staff. So I do like that we do have that aspect, um, hoping, you know, we're not missing anything. Uh, you know, it could be a viral uh, ulcer, dendrite, you just don't know. But I think safety-wise, we're kind of holding off on having those patients in the office. Um, do you guys think telemedicine will continue now that we're back in the office? I think some of it too will depend on the restrictions that get put back in place with it because I know they kind of loosened for you know the patients that felt that met the criteria to be able to do telemedicine but like you said I mean it's just it's going to be really hard for optometry unless you have you know like remote control those slit lamps where somebody can set in it just to be able to triage and you know pick up you know diagnose those patients over because you're right I mean you're trying to zoom, tap your phone as much as you can. Well, I mean, and you're just, you're never gonna get to that point where, you know, so many things look so similar, trying to figure out if it's this or this, and you don't wanna misdiagnose and put the patient at, you know, treat them irresponsibly or treat them incorrectly where it's gonna cause them more damage than if we would just come in and saw them in the first place. It's almost faster to just bring the patient in, right? So <laughs> right. by the time they get a connection and you get a connection and, figure out a time. Um, I think it's, you know, it's easier just to get them in the schedule. And now that we're all busy now with patient care to intervene with these telemedicine visits, just as another thing on all of our plates, not to mention now as all these claims are coming back that we build for, a lot of them are getting denied. So we just did all of this for free. Mm -hmm. So there's a place 
for it and we have to figure out so we just went to we're not going to bill your insurance the other thing kind of which i think she was getting to is the revenue from it is so minimal too that it's just not you know it's not worth it to put in a lot of work on things that we just can't you know we can't diagnose and treat by looking at without being in person or with a slit lamp support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr communications BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in optometry. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. One of the, the funniest things I've had to do over the last past few months is try, try to teach the patient how to flip their lids over the weekend. That's an interesting part. You know, it's like being able to be like, can you try a little bit harder and move a little bit closer to that webcam so I can see. So, um, yeah, it's been an interesting thing. You know, obviously, subconscious allergy issues are much easier than, say, you know, foreign bodies and things like that. We have saw a big uptick in ocular migraines, of course, since everyone's stress levels and anxiety levels are pretty high. But I think, you know, the result of all this is we, we definitely see the benefits of telehealth. We see the where it's restricted and not really useful in certain situations. But we're, I feel like we're going to keep doing it but use it more as a triaging type of thing. Uh, and for like things that can be done with a quick follow-up rather than the actual exams themselves. So um, that's how I feel like moving forward, even after, you know, the pandemic is completely over, we're probably, it's still going to be a part of the practice, though probably not a main part of the practice until things can change um, with better webcams and better billing and coding. And <laughs> I can go with it get back to a little bit of the safety and Brianna mentioned earlier um, there's not a lot of new insertion removal of contact lens classes and education going on by a lot of offices. I've seen a lot of that on social media where they're just saying hey we're not doing that right now. Um, our offices are doing new fits but we're doing it in a way where we're not even having to touch the patient which is my staff loves because it's safety for them. Um, we're setting up an iPad right now and showing a video of how to put them in, take them out, tips, tricks, how to clean them, how to store them. Um, my partner, Dr. Ryan Court, uh, has a video he created on intro wellness that's been just huge help for patients where we'll sit, we'll be sitting, the staff will be sitting several feet away from them and we'll have the patients wash up, watch the video, put it in and take it out and we're like, huh, we didn't have to do much there. And that was a lot faster than us sitting there talking them through that. So that's been a, a big change I've noticed in our clinics. Um, Brianna, you said you're doing new fits. How are, have you guys changed any of the way you're doing it? Same thing. So we are showing them the video and then they are handling everything from start to finish. And then these are really motivated people, right? So it's making it go faster as well. And I think that's where the motivation factor comes in. We're also a huge myopia clinic, and the amounts of patients now that are now wanting to get their kids into, like yesterday, I did two orthocaphids. So we can't forget about those types of patients um, as we're moving forward. So again, the new fits, as some of our colleagues aren't doing, you can do it safely. And it's a good time to talk about hygiene, and, and it is possible. So if you're leaving these people out to dry, it's not a good look for your clinic. So you've got to be safe and conscious, but you also have to provide service that people are wanting and looking for. And now these are lifelong patients. So I think that's what others are forgetting 
And as you know, we closed down, our patients could get a hold of us. I think that was huge. There were so many clinics around here that, you know, they're like, I called eight offices before I got to you because everybody else was closed. So if heaven forbid, we do go on another lockdown, I think people have to be very conscious that their patients know how to get a hold of them. So I think moving forward, just be, be aware. This concludes the first half of today's special episode of the Mod Pod. Contact Lens Business and Patient Safety in the COVID-19 era, redefining normal. We heard more from our panel about the changes in managing their business and employees, and how telemedicine now has a real place in treating patients. Please stay tuned for more where our guests will continue their conversation about marketing their practices during COVID-19 and how they've been able to cover basic operational costs, especially frontline workers. But before we do, we'd like to thank Bausch & Lomb for supporting this program. Please note that the opinions and views expressed during this program are those of the individual participants and are not necessarily those of Bausch & Lomb or its affiliates. Now let's get back to Dr. Rachel Rubel. Are you guys preparing um, for the future for a potential lockdown? Like what changes you would do? So we fortunately had a bunch of stuff in place already. Um, we had uh, the, the, you know, doctor contact lens in place for reorder. So our patients already knew to, how to reorder from us. I think that definitely is the future is that Amazon way of ordering. So if you're not giving a patient a way to order contacts from you easily at, you know, 10 o'clock at night, now's the time to not go back to your office and get complacent. Cause that's, I think what my fear is, is as we go back and we get busy in our day to days, there's three things you got to go back and do. Get your website up to date with your contact lens ordering system, whichever one you're going to go with. Make sure that your staff is trained to utilize it and start utilizing it. So don't let it just become a dead link on your website because this is the future. So this has sped everything up technology-wise by three to six years. So make sure your patients know that you offer telemedicine. Um, we've looked at many different ways for the glasses try-ons it's still nothing really out there. And if you think about it, um, you know, Warby Parker and those types of things, if you don't have an app on your phone that you're gonna use at least once a month, they're not gonna download it, right? So, or they're gonna delete it really, really fast. And how often are you, so Will, you know, your exam's tomorrow, and are you gonna really go to my website to try on glasses before you come to my office? No, you have your kids to put to bed, you've got, you know, we have to be reasonable, right? How often does your optometrist need to be in touch with you? So it can't, we can't forget that happy balance. So as we go back, I mean, every person under the sun let me know, know about their COVID routine, right? So email has become really cumbersome, right? How many emails do we all have in our inbox of everybody's COVID protocol? So you have to be conscious of, how often you're in touch with your patients so they don't also get sick of you, but you have to stay in front of them. I agree with you. Um, you know, it's just a different way. All of our offices, we have to look at what our future holds. Um, you know, we all mentioned our offices are busy, which is great. Have you guys changed your marketing tactics to bring in patients or is it just the phone's ringing? We haven't honestly changed anything. I mean, uh, we've been active on social media, just making sure that patients are getting updates from us. But, uh, you know, these patients were waiting to come in. Uh, maybe we've been, 
you know, slightly more aggressive, but I don't think it would have made a difference. I think we had, you know, you guys all ran into it. There's this influx of people that, you know, had waited for so long and still had some reservations, you know, even once they allowed for reopening for routine care, that it's, it's kind of created its own, you know, internal marketing that, that we haven't had to do a ton for. I've actually, um, since uh, mid-May or so, doubled our marketing budget, <laughs> actually. Because, um, you know, like I said, wanting to get the message out there. You know, I was just kind of thinking back about this, you know, around that time. It's like, what, what are patients thinking about now in terms of their eyes or vision? Like, what are they worried about? Obviously, we talked about safety being the number one thing. So being able to let um, everyone know, new patients, established patients that, um, you know, we have safety guidelines in place. We know we're following the CDC. We're changing them, you know, every day or every week as needed. So safety, uh, getting that message across was, was, um, is important. And the second thing I was thinking was, you know, you know uh, a lot of industries, people are working from home or at least they're just stuck at home a lot more. Um, so I've you know, been reading articles that people are on their digital devices 50 to 100% more uh, over the past three months than they ever have been. So um, blue light, digital eye strain, so putting more messaging about that was, has been big. A lot of people have been coming in about that, even people who aren't you know, working in um, software engineers who are, that are really big here. You know, people who, like I said, normally don't use computers have been using it a lot, so they're getting that eye strain. And then uh, obviously with, as the weather continues to improve, well, you know, dry eye and allergies are big. So those are my three things I've been really hitting uh, in terms of the marketing. And like, I've been getting a huge influx of new patients. So must be working, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Very anecdotal, but you know, it's, uh, it seemed to be, you know, in my mind, kind of what I, you know, trying to imagine myself as a patient rather than a doctor, what am I thinking about in terms of my eyes or what am I dealing with? So safety, blue light, you know, eye strain, digital eye strain, and then dry eye slash allergy. And um, like I said, I, I feel like it's been working really well. Yeah, so you're looking at it from what the patients are seeing from their outlook. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you guys as doctors, do you guys think any companies have stood up and have helped out during the pandemic and that you're noticing more for what the efforts they put forward? You know, J&J's been really, really, I think we're really kind of leading the charge. And then you have BNL and Alcon and Cooper all kind of came together to help us ban with this free shipping and that, that direct ship to patient model. So they all have been great on getting these rebates and the digital rebates to our patients. So that's been helpful to keep these sales in the office and then let them know about new technology and upgrading to different technology. So the industry, I hope that they keep us moving forward, but we also have to help them move us forward. So I don't, what I'm scared that doctors are going to do is they're going to go back, they're going to get complacent again, and now's not the time to get complacent. And you got to make these little changes and, and use COVID to push your bar forward and really up your game a little bit. So I think as Will and Justin and you, have, um, Rachel, have done, we really need our colleagues to help do the same. And we can't keep complaining that the big online retailers are coming after us if we're not putting ourselves and standing up for ourselves and putting those things in place where patients can order from us, right? Quit complaining that you have a million verifications if your patient can't order from you at 11 o'clock at night. So you've got to make these changes in your office. And that's, I think, where our industry really needs to push forward. Yeah, I thought... 
I thought Bausch did a couple of really good things as far as offering contact lenses to patients and, or not to patients, but frontline employees um, and hospital workers. And then as far as, you know, upping for sanitation, using things like that for sanitizer, um, just little things like that that probably don't get a lot of attention, um, you know, nationally, I think is, you know, at least in our industry that we know about it and it builds, you know, a certain amount of pride that they're actually doing this to help out with others. And I, you know, you see a lot of these other um, companies with the, you know, the advent of ID.me that are offering discounts to healthcare workers, like firemen, policemen, things like that. I think it's a really novel concept to, you know, to help out those ones that are on the front line that, you know, can use a break and, you know, say, Hey, I can, you know, I can go shopping. I can take some time off and somebody is actually, you know, it's instant feedback of uh, people supporting you for, for the work and the efforts that you're putting in. Yeah, you mentioned Bosch because they're doing the one-by-one uh, -one recycling program too. So we're putting patients in more and more dailies and we're concerned about the environment. You know, we're at least we're able to recycle those cases and the lenses and have that as an option to protect the environment. So, yeah, that's uh, a, a huge program. Actually, I would say about at least once a week, even before COVID, you know, I would get people that I'm trying to convert from a monthly or biweekly lens to daily disposable. And they're hesitant because of the environmental factor. So when I tell them about the recycling program, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, let's, let's do this then. So, you know, <laughs> you know, it's kind of weird that that's the specific reason. I mean, it's not a bad thing. Obviously, we want to take care of the environment, but uh, it was uh, interesting that that's where they drew the line, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I agree with like you. That, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's nice to have something like that with Bausch. Well, you guys, I really appreciate you all being on the call today. Um, this was a great talk about contact lenses, getting back into practice, and being there for our patients. So hopefully we can continue on this trend. Um, but thanks again for being here with me today. Thank thanks you. for having us. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today with these amazing panelists that we've had. I've learned so much tips, tricks with contacts, with cleaning in the offices um, that I'm going to take back to my practice. Thank you for tuning in to our program today. We'd also like to thank Drs. Rubel, Rue, Toe, and Weigel for their participation in today's program. This program was supported with advertising by Bausch & Lomb. Keep a lookout in the coming months for the next installment where we check in on the panel to see how life has changed yet again. The opinions and views expressed during this program were those of the individual participants and were not necessarily those of Bausch & Lomb or its affiliates.